James this morning. James chapter 2. If you want to turn and read along. James chapter 2. This is a short book. Only five chapters. If you've never read through it, it'd be a, an easy read for you. Probably about an hour. You can, you can read through there. And there's some good stuff in James. It's, it's real practical, simple, easy to understand advice. Things that we probably all need to hear. Things that we can understand. And so uh, James is a, is a good book to read. He goes over things like um, uh, even in tough trials, keep trusting in the Lord. I know that, that God can use those trials to, uh, to draw you closer to Him and to consider it joy when you go through such trials. He talks about taming our tongue, watching our mouth, watching how we speak. He talks about uh, seeking wisdom. Uh, he talks about uh, several things that are, that are real simple, basic things like that, that, that we should uh, have good works in our life. It should be a result of our faith in Jesus Christ. And these are the types of things, real short, real brief, uh, real basic things that we all need to hear. And one of the things he talks about is showing favoritism and how we shouldn't show favoritism. And that's what we see in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. So I'll pray, and then we'll jump into the text. God, I thank you for these good words, and I pray that you hide me behind the cross as I preach and teach. I pray that you're glorified this morning. I pray that you give me the words to speak to your people, dear Lord, that it will be good for all of us, that it will touch our hearts, that we would examine ourselves to see if we are guilty of what's being talked about here. And maybe, maybe there's some, some discrimination and, and favoritism in our heart that we don't realize, dear Lord. So I pray that you would help us to see that today. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, pretty simple. We who are followers of Jesus Christ are not to show favoritism. Uh, we are to uh, treat each other fairly. We are to treat all people fairly. We are not to pick favorites based on the way somebody looks, based on where they're from, based on their social status, based on how much money they have or don't have. He says, look, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know this teaching. Do not show favoritism. Well, what does he mean when he's talking about favoritism here? We can kind of maybe take that a few different ways, but he gives us an example, and he tells us what he's talking about here when he is speaking of showing favoritism. In verse 2 he says, For example, a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor man dressed in dirty clothes also comes in. So here's his example. It would be a meeting similar to what you and I are having right now. And someone comes in the door. People begin to come in. And one of the people that comes into the meeting, in his example, is someone who would be wealthy. Someone who's wearing nice things. Someone who is uh, wearing nice jewelry. Someone that you can instantly look at. They are clean cut. Uh, they look good. You can tell that they are wealthy and that they are doing great. And that's one of the people that comes into the meeting. And the other that comes into the meeting is someone who is poor. Uh, their clothes are torn. Their clothes are not very nice. They're probably dirty. They may be kind of stinky. You can look at them and tell that, boy, they're having a hard time in life. They don't have very much. And so he begins to, to, to give us this parable here, if we can call it that, of, of this rich man and this poor man. And we can kind of see how his example is unfolding here. 
that, that we make judgments on people based on what we see on the outside, based on what is visible. We see this person and we say this person is rich or this person is poor. And we begin to make judgments on people sometimes based on what is visible, based on what we can see. Now maybe the judgments we make sometimes are correct and maybe they are not. So we don't want to fall into the trap of, of, of judging someone in a certain way because of what they look like on the outside, because of what is visible. Because what is on the outside does not show us what is on the inside. So he sets up this example for us here and says, all right, here's a way to help you understand what it means to show favoritism. There's two people that come in. One is wealthy and one is poor. One is dressed nice and one is dressed poorly. Let's read a little further. If you look with favor on the man wearing fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor man, stand over there or sit here on the floor by my footstool, haven't you discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Now, the first thing that happens when we begin to uh, see people who, who, in our mind, we have determined, well, this person is good and acceptable for this reason, and this person is not, when we begin to judge people in that way, then that begins to affect how we treat people. And so the example he gave of the rich man and the poor man, well, when we look at people and we begin to judge based on what they look like, we may treat them differently. Now, we need to be careful in our lives that we don't fall into this trap. He says, look, when we do that, we begin to judge and we begin to discriminate. Now, we begin to judge people based on their appearance because of what oftentimes in our mind we have determined what is acceptable and what is good. It is acceptable to dress this way. It is good to look this way. It is good to act this way. And if people don't line up with what we have determined on our mind is acceptable and good, then therefore they must be bad and they must be wrong in what they are doing. Now the problem with some of these things that we determine are acceptable and good, we don't make these determinations always based on what the Bible says. Sometimes we make these determinations just based on our own thoughts, on what we like, on what we think, on traditions, on things that uh, we have been taught our life, the way that we were raised. All of these things may affect what we consider to be acceptable or good. But when we're, de when we're determining what's acceptable and good, what's right, well, we really only need to look at God's Word because we have a tendency to kind of muddy the waters a little bit with things that we may think are acceptable or right. And when we do that, uh, we, we put these we we put these uh, these qualifications, if we can call them that, I guess, on other people. That you must you must meet the qualifications of what I consider to be good and right for you to be good and right. How you look, how you dress, where you're from, the color of your skin, how you speak, are you smart, are you dumb, are you short, are you tall, are you fat, are you skinny, whatever it may be, there may be these things in our mind that if we look at people, we think less of them because they are blank, because they look like blank, because they have blank, whatever it may be, fill in the blank there. Now, we may be guilty of favoritism and not even know it. Now, hopefully, we all look at our life and we may say, well, I don't show favoritism. Well, maybe you do and maybe you don't. It may be kind of hiding out in there and we don't even realize it. Uh, we may see people and we may make rash judgments based on what they look like, based on what's visible, 
and we may not even realize that we are doing it. Now James says, look, don't do that. Don't look at someone and based on what they look like, on their outward appearance, don't determine how you are going to treat them. Don't treat them better. Don't treat them with favoritism based on how they look. Now, this is a simple example, and it's a good example because it's one that we can all relate to. Now, the things that we consider to be good and right and acceptable are often things that are of no significance to God. For example, the very example that, that James gives here, God's not terribly concerned with whether we are rich or poor. He doesn't really care if we are tall or short. He doesn't care if our skin is black, white, yellow, orange, pink, purple. He doesn't care if we wear fancy clothes. He doesn't care if we wear uh, ratty clothes. He doesn't care about any of those things. Those things are not important to God. When God looks at us, he does not look at us and say, you meet the qualifications based on these physical things that you have in your body, based on the amount of money that you have or based on what you're wearing. God does not look at any of those things. So it seems pretty silly that we may sometimes fall into the trap of considering these things to be important and significant. And if you don't look this way or act this way or, 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 or fall into this category that I think is right and good, then therefore you are wrong and I'm going to treat you differently. We are all created by God. We are all created in the image of God, and we need to remember that. There are some that are rich, and there are some that are poor. But just because one is rich doesn't make them better, and just because one is poor doesn't make them worse. And that's the point that James is trying to make here. So when we make these judgments, well, what do we do after we make the judgment? Well, once we've determined that we think somebody is better because of how they look, then What's going to happen after that is we are going to treat them differently because how we judge someone, if we are showing favoritism, is going to determine how we treat them. And that's what James says in verse 4. He says, you have discriminated when you do that. When you judge someone and when you treat someone better based on how they look and treat another worse based on how they look, James says you are guilty of discriminating against that person. Now, we want to make sure that we don't fall into this trap that James is talking about here. Because what happens in this example? Well, in this example, when the man who is dressed well, the wealthy one comes into the meeting, boy, he is given the place of honor. He is given the best seat in the house. Everybody's rushing over to him. Oh, you are just so good. We are so glad to have you. Thank you for coming. Wow, you're just a wonderful person. But what do they do to the poor person in the story? They say, well, you go over here and you sit by the footstool, or some translations say under the footstool. Now think about that for a second. Now we don't have any footstools in here, but you probably have a footstool at your house. You, you might have a, something you prop your feet up on, maybe an ottoman or something. Now when we think about a footstool in our day and age, our footstools probably don't get terribly dirty. We take showers once or twice a day. We keep our feet nice and clean. They got socks around them. They're down inside a shoe. They don't get very dirty. And most of the time when we prop our feet up on the footstool, we don't dare put our feet up with our shoes on. I got in trouble the other night, by the way. I was wearing my shoes, and I was I was relaxing on the couch, and, and uh, I had my feet up, and I was just sending a picture to Michelle of how I was relaxing. I had my iPad sitting there, and, and I didn't realize that she could see past my iPad, my feet were kicked up on the couch, and guess what I had? I had my shoes on. Amen. And you know what she, what she did as soon as she got that picture? 
Boy, she pointed that out instantly. So what I did was I took the picture again and I, I opened the, the, the photo editing app and I scratched the shoes off where you couldn't see them anymore and I sent her the picture back. But when we when we talk about our footstools and things like that, our footstools are probably relatively clean. But think back to a footstool back in this day and age. Back in these days, the people wore sandals, the roads were nasty and dirty, people's feet were nasty and dirty. They probably didn't bathe once or twice a day like us. It may not have been as easy for them. I don't know that, but I'm just assuming that was probably the case. And a footstool would have been a nasty and dirty place. And you can imagine if someone plops their feet down on that footstool, any, anything on their foot might fall off, might kind of crumble to the side. The footstool probably gets dirty over time after people put their feet on there. And to the poor man who came into the meeting, they said, look, you go sit by the footstool. And that's probably the worst seat in the house. That's the worst possible seat. Now, why did they come to this determination that one man needed to sit in a seat of honor and another needed to sit in the, in the worst seat in the house? Well, there was only one reason why they came to that determination, and it was based on looks. Because you look better, because you fit the part of what we think is better, what we think is right, what we think is acceptable, then we're going to allow you to sit in the seat of honor, and you, well, you get over there because you're pretty nasty and dirty, and we don't want you around us. Now we need to think about that in our lives, not just in church meetings, but in everything we do. And we need to really think, am I guilty of doing that? Have I ever made such a judgment that I see someone and I instantly think less of them because of what they look like? Now, hopefully the answer to that is no. But if we're honest, there's probably times in our life where we're all guilty of that. Some of us may be more than others. We may be guilty of that every day, maybe just occasionally. But I would venture to say that we probably are all guilty of that at some point in time. That we see someone and based on what they look like, we think more or we think less of them. Now, we have to be careful when we do that because we don't see what's on the inside. We only see what is visible to us. And so what if a person looks a certain way? So what if they're rich or if they're poor? That doesn't change the fact that they're made in the image of God. We're no better than they are and they're no better than us. If we're the poor person and someone rich comes in, they're no better than us. If we're, if we're the rich person and someone poor comes in, we're no better than them. And we shouldn't treat people differently because of that. And that's what James says. He says, watch yourself. Don't sit someone in the seat of honor simply because they are rich and wealthy. Now, that doesn't mean that there may not be times that we may not honor people. Jesus talks about that, I believe, in Luke 14, where he's giving an example. He says, look, when you go to a party, when you go to a, a, a big event, uh, don't sit in the seat of honor. You just find a normal seat. And if the host comes and grabs you and says, look, I want you to sit in the seat of honor, well, there's nothing wrong with that. There are occasions and there are times where there may be people that we want to honor. Maybe we see achievement that they have done. Maybe they've done something good. Maybe they've uh, done something at work or done something at church. And we say, we want to honor you. 
But that's not what James is talking about here. That, that type of thing, I believe, is okay. When you're honoring someone because of something they've done, because of a, a, a life that they have lived that's good, because of, of something they have done to help somebody out, years of ministry work at a church or whatever it may be, to say, look, we recognize you and we want to honor you for that. That's not what James is talking about. In that instance, we're not honoring someone simply because they are rich or because they are a certain skin color or because of where they're from or anything like that. We're simply honoring them because they are deserving of honor, at least in our eyes. We're not, we're not shunning someone else to, to honor that person in that sense. That's not what James is talking about. James is talking about when you honor someone over someone else for no other reason than they look different. They seem different. They're wealthy. They look good. They smell good. Now we need to think about what we would do in this very example that James gave. What do we do when people come to church, new people come in? Do we judge them based on what they look like? They dress good. They come up in a nice car, wearing some good-looking clothes. How do we treat them as they enter the door? Do we love them? Are we glad to see them? Do we want them to sit by us? Do we want them to come back? Do we want to invite them to come eat with us after church? After all, they're wonderful. Look at that. They're nice folks. They look good. They smell good. What about the person that comes in that maybe they're not driving such a nice car? Maybe their clothes don't look terribly good. Maybe they're kind of stinky. Maybe they don't smell too good. How do we treat them when they come in? Do we say we're glad to have them? Probably so. Do we mean it? I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Are you itching for them to come sit beside you, or are you praying, please don't let them sit beside me? Because when I love them, when they come in, they did not smell good. Oh, I hope they sit with somebody. When they sit with somebody, they say, oh, yes. Now, you may or may not be guilty of that. I don't know. You may be everybody doing good when you see that person, you think nothing of them, and you're just as glad to have them come sit by you, and you're just as glad to have them come to your house after church and eat. Or maybe not. Maybe you say, boy, I'm glad to have you. But then when we find out they're going to another church, really don't care too much about it. Those people that look good, that dress good, that smell good, oh, we're glad to have them. They'll be a great family to have in this church, great couple to have in this church. What do we think when we see people come in to our church? Or other people we encounter, maybe in our jobs or whatever it is, just walking down the aisle of the store? Do we think differently of one person or another based on how they look? James would say, don't do that. James would say, this is wrong. This is not the Christ-like thing to do. This is not what we are to do in our life. This is not how we are to act. And we need to examine our lives and say, am I doing that? Now, none of us wants to think we're doing that because that's a horrible thing. But if we are doing it, then praise the Lord that we realize it and we need to repent and say, okay, God, I see that this thing is in my life. I see that I discriminate against a certain person because of how they look. And God, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to. It's hard anymore, but help me not to do that. Help me to look at people equally. Help me to love people the same and not, and not treat them differently based on the fact that they are rich or poor or tall or short or whatever it may be. We don't need to worry so much about the visible things. We need to worry about the person. We may find that once we get to know people, 
that the person that we uh, may have uh, thought, thought was better because of how they look, we may find quickly that that person, boy, they are a rotten, evil person. The way they act, the way they treat others. And we may find the person that we judge once we get to know them a little bit. Well, turns out they're, they're a pretty good person. They're a God-fearing person. And so we have to get to know people. We have to love people. We have to treat people with respect. Verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers. Didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you dishonor the poor man. Don't the rich oppress and drag you into the courts? Don't they blaspheme the noble name that was pronounced over you at your baptism? Now, didn't God choose the poor? Isn't it the rich who are rejecting God and blaspheming God? Now, we see this, this kind of theme throughout Scripture, that, that it's the poor who typically humble themselves before God, and it's the rich who typically reject God. Now, this is not an absolute when we see things like this. James is not saying it's impossible for a rich person to be faithful to the Lord and for a poor person to curse the Lord. That could very well be the case. But more times than not, the truth we see in Scripture, of course, is true. That is that it's easier for someone who is poor to humble himself before the Lord. It's easier for someone who is poor to be content with what they have. It's easier for one who is poor and in hard situations to seek the Lord all the more. It's easier for the poor person than the rich person. Because the more wealth we have, the more we trust in our wealth. The more we trust in our wealth, the less we trust in God. Why are we going to call out to God? Why are we going to seek the Lord? Why are we going to humble ourselves when look at what we have done? We become proud. And as a result, more times than not, it's more difficult for a person with wealth to come to the Lord. Even Jesus talks about that in Matthew 25, I believe. Don't hold me to that, but I think that's where it is. Where he talks about uh, the rich man. And he says, look, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, it's not that rich people can't serve the Lord. Uh, there are some rich people out there that love the Lord with all their heart, that are as obedient as they can be. And there are some poor people out there that curse God and blaspheme him, just the opposite of the example that James has given here. But what James is saying is, look, don't, don't make a judgment on somebody based on what you see. Because let me tell you how God sees people. Now, I don't know that we have the ability to fully see people the way that God sees people, but I believe that we can pray that God, uh, for God to help us see people like He sees people. And we can learn how God sees people by studying His Word, by saying, okay, God, how do you be people? How do you treat people? What's important to you? And the more we read through God's Word, we may find that the things that are important to God are not the things that are important to us. The things that we thought were very important, that it has to be this way, and we have to act this way, and we have to think this, and people have to fall into this, this mold that we have made, we may find that when we read God's Word, that His Word shatters the mold that we have made. And really, God doesn't care about the outward appearance. Now, God uh, wants us to... to look nice in a sense that we don't walk around half naked and things like that inappropriately. Of course he wants us to look appropriate, but there are lots of things in, in, in our life and in our view that we consider to be important that God really doesn't care anything about. 
And so we want to make sure when we see people that we treat people the way God <coughs> treats people, that we love people the way God loves people. In verse uh, 8, Indeed, if you keep the royal law prescribed in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So what does James tell us to do? Well, he tells us to do the same thing Jesus tells us to do. He even calls it here the royal law. So here's what you want to do. What do you want to do? Well, live out the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're doing that, you are doing well, he said. If you're not doing that, you're sinning. Now that's pretty cut and dry. We see this, this, this idea of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Boy, that's, that's kind of a key thing we see through Jesus' teaching. And we see James bring it up here. Boy, that sums up everything in the law in the Old Testament. Jesus sums it up in those two statements. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now that's pretty cut and dry. If we do that, everything else will fall into place. James says, look, live by the royal law. Do, do, do what is right. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that, you are doing well. Now, I want us to be brothers and sisters in Christ that are doing well. Not just in this church. Not just pretending to love people because we know we should. Even when we know we should, we say, oh God, I know I should love that person and I shouldn't judge, but God, I'm still struggling with it, so help me. And it may not happen overnight. You may have to keep praying that prayer. Okay, God, I don't want to be this way, but I, I, I still do that. I still see people. My mind still goes to being judgmental. I still think something about them because of what they look like. God, help me not to do that. And it may take time for us to do that. It may take time for God to transform our heart. But if we really seek the Lord and ask Him for that, then I believe God will help us do it. I believe that those are the types of prayers that are pleasing to God. Now, we know that it's wrong to do that. We've seen it clearly through James' word. We've seen it clearly today that showing that kind of favoritism is wrong. So we, now that we know it's wrong, we need to make sure that God helps us not to fall into that trap. So that we can be those that James talks about that are doing well. Those who are loving those that we encounter and not treating them differently because they don't look like we think they should look. But why do we? Why do we judge? Why do we show favoritism? Well, I think one reason that we judge people is because we think we are better than people. Because we think a little too highly of ourselves. Because we have determined in our mind that we know what is right. And we know what is acceptable. And there's a little bit of leeway here, but as long as people are kind of staying close to what I think is right or acceptable, they, they're good. And so we, of course, fall into our lines of what we consider to be acceptable. And anybody that's kind of close to that, well, they're good. But anybody that falls short of that, that, that line that we have created, well, we are better than them. We begin to judge them because, after all, they don't meet the qualifications. That's one reason that we may judge. We may think too much of ourselves. Now, we need to check ourselves and make sure we're not so proud and say, okay, God, maybe you do realize today, maybe you think that today. You say, boy, I'm thinking too much of myself. I, I think a little too highly of myself. God, help me not to do that. 
Help me to realize that I'm not better than anybody else and nobody's better than me based on what I look like or how much money I have or anything else. It's one reason why we may judge. We may think we are better than other people. A reason that we may show favoritism to people who are wealthy or people who have power or people who are famous, we may show favoritism to those people because we think it's going to benefit us. We want to be with those who are going to be able to give us something in return. When we see the wealthy person come into the meeting, we think, all right, we could use them at this church. I bet they're good givers. You know, it amazes me sometimes. Sometimes people ask me, I don't think anybody here, and nobody's asked me in a long time, but I've had people ask me, people that don't even go to this church before, I had a guy ask me, he met me, we've been talking for like 15 seconds, I kid you not, and his one of his first questions in that 15 seconds was, are the people in your church good givers? What in the world? <laughs> but we may be guilty of that. We may be guilty of seeing the person that comes in that's in the fancy car that's wearing the nice clothes and that thought may cross our mind, boy, I bet they're good givers. Why don't you come on over here and sit with me? We're glad to have you, brother. Come on, sit right here. Let me tell you about some ministries we're doing. Got the shoebox ministry going on. Boy, we sure are trying to raise money for shipping for that. I hope we can get it in. We may see people who have money or appear to have money, and we may treat them differently because, boy, it's going to benefit us as a church or benefit us as an individual because they're powerful. They've got money. They've got fame. So I, of all the people, I want to make sure I get on their good side. I want to make sure to treat them good. What about the poor person? They probably don't have much to offer. Doesn't matter if we really treat them good. We're not going to go out of our way to treat them nice. After all, what can they do for this church? What can they do for me? We judge people sometimes because we think we are better than them. We treat people favorably sometimes because we think we can get something from them. Now we have to check ourselves and we have to say, okay, God. These are some serious things. And do I do these things? Am I guilty of these things? Maybe you do them and you don't even realize it. Maybe you do them and you do realize it. Maybe the Holy Spirit's already convicted you today. Maybe you instantly thought, oh, I remember this time when I did exactly what James said not to do. And we probably all have those times. But God doesn't look at us Favorably because we are rich or because we are poor. He looks at us favorably when we follow Jesus Christ. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that is what determines how God views us. God doesn't have a list of qualifications, praise the Lord. Wouldn't that be horrible? If the day of judgment comes and God's got his checklist there, he says, all right, let me see if you met the qualifications. Alright, did you wear did you wear clothes that were kind of in this price range? Alright, you did that. Alright, did you did you wear smell good cologne? Yeah, you did that. Do you meet the height requirement? Now you gotta be between this height, you gotta have this hair color and these eyes. That's the best looking one. If, if you don't meet that, wait a minute, you didn't meet the height requirement. Done. Now, wouldn't it be horrible if God looked at us in that way? 
And he chose us based on how much money we had or how tall or how short we were or how we dressed. That would be horrible if that was the qualifications to earn favor with God. But praise the Lord, that is not the qualification. The qualification is to trust in his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Period. And when we follow Jesus Christ and we are covered by his blood, we are found faithful in the sight of God. And that's what we will be judged by. So if God doesn't judge us based on our appearance, based on our will, then why in the world would we judge others based on those criteria? Why would we do it? It's not about our, our, our state of wealth. It's not about our health. It's not about any, any of those things. We are in favor with God when we follow Jesus Christ. That's where our wealth comes from. Who cares what we have in this world? Yeah, it's good to have money. Don't get your own. It's nice when you've got a little extra money in the bank. You can pay your bills and you can get the stuff you want. That's, that's good. But in the grand scheme of things, our real wealth and our real riches are not measured in that way. Our wealth and our riches are measured at the cross of Jesus Christ. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, it says, Jesus, even though he was rich, became poor for us so that we could become rich through him. Amen. That's good stuff, right? Jesus, who was rich, the Son of God who was in heaven, a perfect place free of sin, left that place and became poor for us, became uh, the earthly son of a carpenter, uh, lived a, a probably a pretty meager life, a hard life, in a world full of sin. He who was rich became poor for us by giving his life on the cross so that we who put our trust in him can become rich through him. Riches in the glory of God, in the peace of God, in the love of God, in the grace of God, both in this life and for all of eternity. We find favor with God through Jesus Christ. We are poor in our sins. We are lost in our sins. And the sin of favoritism may be one of the sins we're guilty of. But praise the Lord, just like all the other sins that we see in Scripture. Through Jesus Christ, He can forgive us of. If we see this in our life, if we see these patterns, if we see these things start to, start to creep up, if we see that temptation to judge when somebody walks by or walks in, when we see that happen, say, okay, God, mind's going there. I'm starting to judge God. I don't want to do that. God, help me not to forgive you for that. And God will help us do that. Let us realize that we are made rich in Jesus Christ. We are not better than anyone else and they are not better than us. That all in Christ are people, Scripture says. And let us be found to be rich in His glory and do what James says as well to love our neighbor as ourselves. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and thank you for these good words. And this is tough stuff. And maybe there are times that we're guilty of this type of favoritism. We judge people. Then we treat them better or worse based on what they look like. Help us not to be guilty of that, dear Lord. Help us not to be too proud to think too much of our own self. Because, well, God, we got a lot of struggles and a lot of problems, too. And uh, help us to uh, see the log in our own eye, dear Lord, before we try to take the speck out of our brothers. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just help us to not be judgmental when we see certain people, but to love them the same, to treat them the same, 
and not show favoritism based on what they look like, dear Lord. I pray that you would help any in this room or any watching that may not know Jesus Christ. I pray that they would they would have heard the gospel of Jesus today and know what he did for them by coming and giving his life on the cross, dear Lord. And that, God, we can all find uh, the richness of his love and the grace that we receive through him, dear Lord, today. If there's one that's never followed Jesus, I pray that they would follow him, that they would put their faith in him. God, I pray that they would follow through in baptism. I pray that they would come. Let me know afterwards and say, look, I followed Jesus today, and I want to be baptized, God, and we can fulfill what Jesus commands us to, to do in Scripture. God, I thank you for a good day. I thank you for the, the time we had together. I thank you for the freedom to come in here and worship. I pray that you be with our country, that you would cause a great revival to come in this place, that we can continue to be free in you and continue to do your work for years to come. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvn at me.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.